Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie, and welcome to this week's episode of the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Providence. Ooh, Providence. You know, I hear Providence is beautiful in the fall. Well, no, not Providence the place. We're talking about God's Providence. Yeah, but have you ever had like a lobster roll? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lobster roll might be God's Providence for you. I mean, in that particular moment. As long as we're not keeping kosher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a whole other conversation. But yes, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about how relying upon God's providence and having a proper understanding of God's providence can help us to live the harder way. So providence is a word that we use, but a lot of times we don't think about what it actually means, Mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of church words. (laughs) Right, like a lot of church words. And so there's some things, let's let's just talk uh, back and forth for a minute about uh, what it actually means. So first of all, for me, providence means that God is sovereign. So God's mm-hmm. large and in charge. He's in control. He does not meet, need my permission to act. He doesn't? No, I know. I Shocking, thought he was right? asking you before he made any of his decisions. That's the story I told you growing up, but it's not oh, true. Okay. Oh, glad to know that's not true. But yes, God's sovereignty, God is in control. And I think even beyond uh, him being all powerful and him being in control, it's the fact that he's actively working all things together. Oh, Romans 8, 28. And we know (laughs) that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Absolutely. And so understanding God's providence is really understanding that passage. Um, I think that we can get this idea sometimes that God is sort of up and away. He's far away and he's not actively involved in the aspects of our day-to-day life. But when we think about God's providence, we realize that he is, that not only is he working things together on the grand scale, right? Talking about things in all throughout world history, things going on on that global level, but also just things in our everyday lives with individual people. Yeah, I would say he's intimately involved with the details of our lives. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to describe that. Yeah, it's tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> tweetable. <laughs> yeah, you know, um and and I think overall, the general sense of the word, including sovereignty and God working all things together and and being involved in the in intimate details of our lives, overall we can say that providence really means that God is our provider. Mm, absolutely. He's the ultimate source of all that we have. Absolutely. And so if we recognize that God is our provider, then it means that we have to be looking to him as our provider. It means that we can't be trying to search for other people or other means to provide for us. Right. And I think we see some really wonderful examples of that uh, in the persecuted church with our our brothers and sisters who are uh, going through persecution. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that might look like? Yeah. You know, one of the things where Christians are persecuted, 
one of the things that the systems, government systems or religious systems that persecute Christians, they take away a person's ability to provide for their family, hmm. right? You just, you know, and in, in, in our culture, an American culture, you know, it's it's kind of the thought that like the family doesn't have enough food. Dad's got to get up, go out and hustle and find a way to get food. If if the family doesn't have clothes, I got to go out and hustle and find a way to get clothes. I've got to do something to do it. But in these countries, they take away your ability to do that. And so you're really mm. just thrown uh, at the mercy of God. And so in, in the flesh, it's a horrible situation. But spiritually, it's really a blessing because that's where we should be anyway. So I remember years and years, this is probably going back a couple of decades. I was in, I was on an island nation and I had, we had brought in Bibles back in those days, back in those days, it was before they had the weight limits on suitcases. Mm. So we would pack our suitcases full of Bibles. uh, And then we would, all the cracks and crevices, we would stuff with little things that we knew would help people. So we put seeds in there so they okay. could plant gardens and uh, we would put like a, you know, toothbrushes and maybe a little Hot Wheel or toy for mm-hmm. some of the kids we might run into because um, their only toy might be a little matchbox car we gave them, you know, for a, right. little, for a four-year-old. So I'll never forget. In fact, I think it was my first mission to the persecuted church and we were giving uh uh, we met. We found a pastor, and typically, what we do is we meet with the pastors, and then we have the pastors provide for their churches. And we just have the pastor tell them that the Lord provided, and we don't take any credit or meet, you know, meet yeah. with the church. So that right. it's not, oh, look at these people coming in and doing all these amazing things for us, right? And- because God is the source. God mm-hmm. is working through the Christians in America who provide funding by the Bibles and provide yeah. funding for the missions and stuff. So, so it is. We're not being dishonest. And uh, we want credit to go where it goes. We want, and the Lord doesn't want to share his glory, so we mm-hmm. want the Lord to get all the glory. Um, on this one occasion, though, a lady from the church came in and was serving as a translator. Okay. And, and she'd done this before with, with our group. And and she had um, – so the, so the ladies in our group handed her a little sachet with a few nice little items that they'd been able to uh, – we'd stuffed in the crevices of our suitcases. And she was so delighted – and when she reached in and she pulled out a toothbrush, hmm. she began dancing before the Lord and wow. singing praises. And I thought, that's kind of bizarre. She did have really big white teeth, and I thought maybe that was why she had, <laughs> She's like, I need a big toothbrush for my big teeth. That wasn't it at all. She said, I have been asking the Lord for a toothbrush for six months. Wow. And today he's answered my prayer. Wow. Can you imagine being in a place where something as simple as a toothbrush mm. that we get for free at the dentist or pay very little for at yeah, the store? Something you can get at the Dollar Tree. You can get two for a dollar. You can you get know, it at the gas get, station, yeah. usually. Mm-hmm. Right. That is something that she had to go to the Lord for. And when wow. she received something as simple as that, her joy and her affection and her praise was turned completely to God, her provider. What's interesting about that story is that because she understood God's providence, because she was looking to God as her provider, even though you were the ones bringing it, Mm -hmm. her first thought wasn't, 
oh my goodness, I need to fall before you and thank you and kiss your feet because you're so amazing for bringing me this toothbrush. Right. The first thing that she did was praise the Lord because she understood that it was the Lord working through you mm. to provide for her needs. Right. It wasn't you providing for her needs. Absolutely. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. that, that she got it. And I think we need to get that. Yeah. Um, I think in the West, uh, in America, we need to get the fact that God is the one who, through his prevenient grace, is allowing people to create and invent these amazing things that make our lives better. That God yeah. is the one who provides my income uh, or, and your income through the different jobs that we do. God is the one who gives us the health to, uh, and the strength to be able to get up and go to work and do those jobs. He gives us the breath of life that keeps us, uh, our hearts beating and our lungs full so that we can get out and, mm. and speak and teach and do the things that we do. Yeah, I mean, every every single breath is a manifestation of God's providence. And I think that in the West, specifically in the United States, we have so much. I mean, homeless people in the United States are what would be considered very well off in many countries with just with the things that uh, they have available to them and the amount that they're able to eat and, uh, you know, all things like that. Not to say that that's not a struggle, but just to to be an example of how much we have here. I remember once years ago, um, I was on a mission to Haiti and uh, we gave a man a tent and his words will stick with me for the rest of my life. We gave him a tent. And in America, we give somebody homeless a tent. And they're, they're thankful to not have to be in the rain. But they're, they don't, they're still homeless as yeah. far as we're concerned. He literally said, he thanked the Lord, first of all, mm-hmm. for God's provision, which was great. Yeah. And then he said, thank you, Lord. I am no longer homeless. Wow. The, the fact that he had a tent meant that he was not homeless anymore. Mm-hmm. Another brother from U- Uganda, or Uganda as they say, um, he said that when he gave his life to Jesus, the Lord had provided faithfully for him and that he'd never, and he, that he'd never starved again. Yeah. And I said, you never starved again? And he said, yeah, I never went more than three days without food since the day that I was born again. He considered wow. starving being three days without food more than three more days than three without days. Food. Of, the fact that he, you know, he wasn't considering himself starving if he was going one, two days right. without food. Wow. And those are two incredible examples of when we kind of put that as a juxtaposition against what we have here in the United States. Sometimes we have so much and it seems to just be around that it shifts our focus away from the fact that God is ultimately the one that is providing for us. And so I think that we almost have to be more intentional because we have so much here in the United States than you might have to be in a place where there is nothing. Yeah, we have to, we have to find a way to get that benefit uh, while mm-hmm. we're in the U.S., the benefit that the persecuted church or ch- or Christians that are just really living in in, in complete lack uh, right. in third world nations, mm-hmm. or as we call the majority world nations, yeah. right? We have to find a way to um, engage with God in the way that they do, 
and get the benefit that they do while we are in our present context. Because I don't want people to get the idea that you have to be ashamed of having wealth. If God chose to give you wealth, then be grateful for your wealth. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should be ashamed of having an abundance. If God chose to allow you to live in a place where there's abundance, he ordains the times and the places where we're born. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of it. Pray <clears throat> to the Lord to allow you to be a steward of it. Yes. Recognize that it's not your money, but his money. And he's just letting you steward maybe more of it than another person is, is able mm-hmm. to steward. Absolutely. Yeah, we can. And so we can say, I'm, I'm a steward. I don't. So I'm not an owner. Mm-hmm. That really flips the script, right? Yeah, because, that changes everything. Right, and we'll talk about that on a later podcast. We'll go into the really what it means. Yeah, a lot of details on that. Yeah, because sure. that is a powerful truth that will really help you uh, learn to walk the harder way. So we'll get to that in a later podcast. But but getting staying on this our topic of uh, of providence, we have a conundrum. How do we as Americans allow ourselves to benefit uh, from and enjoy the intimacy with the Lord that comes from really living in a place of true dependence upon his providence. What do you think? Well, I think that one of the first things that we have to do is we have to work on removing a very specific idol from our lives. And now I'm going to say this, and this is an idol that many people probably don't even realize is an idol. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. This is the idol of security. Ooh. The idol of security. There are many of us that put things into our lives that give us a certain safety net or make us feel that if we have this thing, we'll be secure. We won't go hungry. We won't lack. We And that's another thing, fear of lacking, right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But uh, we have this idol of security because we're looking to what we feel makes us secure. We're looking to our safety nets as the means of what's going to provide for us, the means of what's going to save us should there be some devastating thing that occurs. Mm. And so, so long as we are dependent upon security, instead of being dependent upon God, we're not going to experience those incredible benefits of truly understanding and living within the reality of God's providence. So our, we, we have a, a security idol. Mm-hmm. And that security idol is empowered by our fear. Absolutely. Right? I think every idol is powered by our fear. True. True. But but this one specifically, this you one can specifically, see it very clearly. Right. And so when we think about fear, we want to remember that fear is the feeling and the action side of fear, the same coin, different side, control. Is control. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as, as people who are afraid... We're trying to find ways to control or to mitigate that insecurity, that uncertainty, that fear of loss that we constantly battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are ways to do that. There's a way that leads us closer to the world system. Yeah. And there's a way that leads us closer to God. And that's the harder way. And that's the harder way. And, the, and so as Christians, of course, we want to be closer to God because we want to be more like Jesus. We want mm-hmm. to be uh, being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, as Scripture describes uh, our journey being. And so how do we transfer our securities from the things that the world tells us we need to the things that we actually need. How do we go from the providence of man to the providence of God? Well, 
I think honestly, like many things on the harder way, it all goes back to abiding in Christ. Because if we're not in an, a deep, meaningful, personal relationship with Christ, I don't think that we can expect to be able in our own nature, in our own will to just make that shift because it is really, really hard and it's not something that's going to come naturally and it's not something that we're going to have the strength to do unless our worldview and our mindset is changed. And how are our worldviews and our mindsets changed? By abiding in Christ. And many times, uh, most of the time, that comes through reading and engaging with God's word. Because if we're saturating ourselves in the word of God and understanding uh, what the Bible says about the way God works, about who he is, about how he provides, about what his providence looks like, then our mentality, our worldview, our mindset is going to shift. And it's going to be easy to not look to man to provide for us. Because if we're saturated in scripture, if we know the word and we know the truth, then the only logical conclusion is to look to God as our provider. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, I was I was talking to a fella uh, uh, recently about insurance. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've learned along the harder way is that insurance, which, by the way, was really, really opposed by the church when it first came out. Yeah, something uh, most people don't realize they don't know now. That. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that insurance is one of the tools that the world uses to make us dependent upon it and trust on its providence, mm, right? Because that's true. my house burns down, my first thought isn't get on my knees and pray and ask God to you know provide and trust his providence. Yeah. My, my first uh, thought is I need to call the insurance company. Right. Right. They're going to make things right. They're going to give me, you know, payment for the things that I've lost. And Right. Yeah. And you remember that they're not in the business of helping you. They might say, trust the good hands people, or you're in good hands with Allstate or whatever. Yeah. The truth of the matter is they're in the making money business. Yeah. Right. And so they're going to pay out begrudgingly and their underwriters are going to structure things in such a way that there are loopholes where you might just fall right through the middle of it. And you might think you're insured, but you're not insured. Because unlike unlike God, the insurance company is not working all things together for your good. Nope. Uh, the insurance company is working all things together for their financial benefit. Right. So how are you insured? Uh, what are the things that you are choosing to do in your life uh, that are that that are ensuring or giving you a sense of control that's mm -hmm. helping you give a, 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 a have a sense that your fears have been assuaged they've been kind mm -hmm. of mitigated they've been kind of you know brought under control what what are what are the things that you are doing in your life and what I would encourage uh, our listeners to do and this is the journey that we are on is to pick something. Find yeah. something in your life. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, taking your deductible on your car insurance and moving it from two hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. You know, yeah, because you got to trust God more. Maybe it's um, reducing the kind of uh, of of housing uh, house insurance you have. I know that if you have a mortgage, you're required to carry at least a certain some. amount. In the same way that it's legally required to have the basic uh, car insurance, right? It's it's illegal to drive without it. So we're not encouraging encouraging anyone to break the law. <laughs> but there, right, but there are a lot of things that we do beyond insurance. There are a lot of things that we do in our lives that give us a sense of control. Maybe yeah. it's, uh, you know, just savings in the bank. 
Mm, right? Yeah. You may have, you know, you may have tens of thousands of dollars in your bank account, which, you know, good for you. That's, it's good to have uh, money set aside for the future if that's what the Lord has led you to do. But make sure that the Lord doesn't have that money earmarked for somebody else. Well, that's the truth. I mean, I've seen many situations where people are hesitant to be generous. People are hesitant to give their money uh, toward kingdom work because they're so concerned about, well, I can't give this money to somebody who needs it. I can't give this money uh, to this ministry because I have this in my savings just in case something bad happens to me. And just in case I lose my job, I have to have this money set aside. Otherwise, who's going to provide for me? Right. So they're looking to the money as the savior. Right. They're looking to the money for the provision. And see, Paul's, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking specifically to this situation when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in Philippians. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a famous verse taken out of context most of the time. Many times, yeah. And what he's, what he's really talking about there in context is he's saying, look, I've had a lot and I've had a little Mm-hmm. I've been with generous people and I've been with miserly people. And I can tell you this, no matter what I have, the Lord's going to get me through mm-hmm. and I can do all things yep. to him and gets me strength. And that's what we need to take away from that is the yes. recognition that, that, that I can trust God to provide for me, even if he leads me to give it all away, which he's led us pretty close to that a few times, <laughs> um, uh, even if he leads me to give it all away, he can replenish it and give me exceedingly more. He can even give me more than I can even give away, no matter how hard I try. Yeah. Right. He can really, uh, he can really do that in our lives, and so um, we want to find ways again that grow our trust in His providence and require us to choose Him. You know, Scripture says in Proverbs sixteen nine, it says, "The heart of man plans his way." but the Lord establishes his steps. And that's a great providential scripture. Mm-hmm. We're reminding us that God's in control. Yes, that we it kind of, I think the thing about that verse is that it reminds us that any sense of control that we have, we talk about control and, oh, you have a false sense of control. Any sense of control that we have is a false sense of control mm. because we're not in control of anything. And like you said, control is the action side of fear. And so when we think that we're in control, number one, it's a false sense of control. And number two, it's a sign that we're allowing our fear instead of our faith to rule over us. And let's just throw something in the mix here. Pride Mm. is the factor that lets us think that we actually have control. Yeah. And so you throw Mm -hmm. pride in there as a catalyst. So when you go from fear and the action is control, the catalyst is pride. And the Bible says in more than one place, God opposes the proud but gives gives grace grace to the the humble. humble. And in context and out of context, that means the same thing. When you are being motivated by pride, when you are acting in pride, God is in opposition to you. Absolutely. And so when when we are trying to take control... And we are trying to make sure that we are our own provider and that we've got everything set up for ourselves and that, and that there's just no chance of this accident or that accident or this loss or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. We have to recognize that comes from a place of pride. Mm-hmm. Originates in fear and cat- catalyzed by pride. Actua- actua- actualized in control. I'm just making up words now. <laughs> Actuated through control. 
And we are in opposition to God. And I don't know and about you. That's not where I want to be. That's not where, that's I, want not where I want to be at all. Almost. Because we know that God is the one who's in control. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. We're, we're part of that kingdom. We are part of that kingdom. But we're not the kings. No. Or queens. No, we're not. Right. And many times we feel that we are. And many times we feel that we have the right to tell the king, hey, I think you're doing a bad job up there. I think you should do this instead. And that's also a scary place to be. But Revelation says that in Revelation, it says that God has made us kings and priests. Yes. God's intention was always to have a nation of kings and priests. And he's created that uh, with his with his body, with the church, a nation of kings and priests. But we are kings with little K's, not with big K's. Oh. So God is the one that is always ultimately in control always sovereign, always ruling over all things, but that he has given us, uh, you know, as little K kings and maybe little Q queens, uh, dominion over uh, certain things uh, that we can steward, but it's always under God's ultimate authority. There's no, not even a competition, not even a contest when we're looking at who's in charge. So it's like God owns everything. Yep. And he said to me, hey, I, I want you to be king in this little space, but mm-hmm. it's still not my kingdom. It's his kingdom. Yes. I just get to be in that role in that space. Yes, absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. So when we're looking at providence, I think, again, and I've talked about this a couple times, we both have on different podcasts. One of the things that comes to my mind when thinking of things that put up a barrier between us and truly living within the reality of God's providence is this really big prepper mentality that we have? Are we right talking now. about my secret oatmeal stash again? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sharing my oatmeal stash with you. But I just, I just really wanted some of the oatmeal. No, this this prepper mentality where we have so many people, and it specifically seems to be Christians more often than not that are so freaked out about the things going on in the world. They're so freaked out about predictions they've heard of things that may happen or rumblings of things that they are storing up so many things for themselves. And yes, storing things up can be done from a good place. Yes. Um, it can be, but I'm just going to say this. I would say more times than not from my personal observation It's not being done from a good place. From the people that I have seen, um, and that's just only my personal observation, from the people that I've seen, more often than not, it's coming from a place of fear. It's coming from a place of trying to control. And it's coming from a place of, I don't trust God to provide for me if these bad things happen, if there's a war, if there's natural disasters, et cetera, et cetera. I don't trust God to provide for me in those events. So I have to store up as much as I possibly can in order to provide for myself. And and make sure I have the guns to defend it. And yeah, exactly. And and I think we can look to scripture and see a passage in the Sermon on the Mount that actually talks a little bit about this. Would it be all right if I read that for our listeners? Yeah, first let me comment and and, and then yeah, yeah, yeah then go I ahead. think cuz I think cuz that's passage in Matthew is really my source, you know, as well for mm-hmm. for how I perceive these things and 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 for how I can really look to God as my as my provider and trust in his providence. I think when it comes we we the to the prepper thing. 
look, I want to grow my own vegetables because I like to, number one, they taste a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where they come from. I know, you where know, they know come what's from. in them. <laughs> I know what's in the dirt. Um, yeah, exactly. But, and, but number two, it's good to have, especially if you live in a place where uh, you can get some crazy weather or you could have some natural disasters. It's good to have some food so that you're not having to rush out and be a part of um, uh, trying to get uh, food when uh, everybody else is struggling. But um, make sure if you have food stored up, uh, and that you have it, uh, you know, maybe you have a three-month supply. This is what I do. When there's an opportunity to give someone food, mm-hmm. we do it. When we realize, hey, you know, the food closet, uh, at, there's a food closet at our YMCA. We noticed it's empty. Let's grab some stuff out of the pantry and let's go load that thing up. Or mm-hmm. we know that the, the there's a food supply at the local church and they're running low or they need some donations. We'll grab from our, we can grab from our stuff and we've got stuff ready to go to be a part of God's economy and to be a part of God God's providing providence. for others. Absolutely. And I think that uh, that's a really important distinction to be made because for probably 99% of preppers that I observe, they're not doing that. And they're, they're oftentimes very secretive about what they have. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they talk about don't tell anybody what you have. Don't say that you have anything stored up. You know, keep it a secret because people are going to ask you for it. And you got to keep it for yourself and your family. And it's very self-focused. It's very out of fear. It's very control-based. And we can look to Matthew 6, uh, 25 through 34 um, for kind of what our attitude should be surrounding these things. Yeah, would you you should read that. Yeah, it says, "Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?" Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Yeah, so providence is really trusting, trusting in God's providence is trusting in God to provide your needs, to ordain your steps, and to make a way for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we just lay down on the ground and we say, okay, let the food fall. Let the, yeah. you know, <laughs> the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, but what it means is that we trust that God has given us what we 
need to do the work that we need to get the provision we need. Mm -hmm. And that when those are taken away from us, that he will provide for us in some other way and that we can trust him. So Mm -hmm. while we have the opportunity and while we have abundance here in the West, a good uh, opportunity for us now is to choose to deny ourselves. Yes, absolutely. By limiting our uh, own choices and limiting our comforts, limiting our securities, securities and, insurances. and insurances so that when we are forced to do that, it will be easy for us to trust joyfully and faithfully in the providence of God. 100%. And I think that it's important to remember that in this passage, Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. Mm. That it's not, like you said, just laying around and hoping that everything works out, but that if we are earnestly seeking God, if we are kingdom focused, if we are looking to God and his providence, we can truly trust that he is going to provide for us all that we need. And notice that he doesn't say all that we want. Because I want a lot of things that I don't have. <laughs> you know, there are many, there are many things I'd like to have. Like those new podcast microphones <laughs> that I want. <laughs> yeah, there are many things I'd like to have. Uh, but everything that I need, God has continued time and time again to provide for me. And that's another way that I think that we can really choose to focus on God's providence is by looking to the testimonies of scripture and also to the testimonies of church history and the testimony of uh, fellow believers, to the testimonies of our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, of how God has provided in those circumstances, how God has worked everything together for the good uh, in those people's lives and, and for the church as a whole. And we can go away being so encouraged that it just seems the logical choice. It just seems the only way to look to God only as our provider. I think that's a good final point. If you want to build a testimony that other people will, I don't want to say envy, but probably that that's probably a good word that other people will admire a mm-hmm. testimony that encourages others. We can choose the harder way by denying ourselves our securities and trusting in the providence of God when we do that, the stories that come from that will inspire others to trust God as well. Absolutely. Amen to that. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.